0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. All right, as Pastor said, thank you so much for coming to
1: Sunday School. It's such an awesome opportunity to get an extra message in for Sunday and to hear what the Lord has to speak to us about. But take your Bibles here, and we're going to continue on our lessons in regards to materialism. We've been speaking about that the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue on that as well today. But take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I'm trying something new today something I probably should have tried a long time ago, but I'm going to be teaching off my iPad instead of off a paper. Um, It just seems to make more sense in the day and age which we live in, but bear with me as I do this. I did this on the guy's camping trip just a few days ago and uh, forgot to charge my iPad before I did it, and it was going dead. So I'm like trying to hurry. I could see my battery life dwindling. It was going down and down. I got to 2%. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to finish this lesson. And Mr. Walsh, God save, bless him, he brought me an extended battery. And all the guys' faces are like, oh no, he's got an extended battery for his iPad. He's never going to stop now. It's like getting that extra drink of water as a preacher, you know. But uh, we're looking forward to what God has for us today. Luke chapter 12. This is the parable that we read when we started this lesson a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not going to read the whole parable for sake of time. But I do want to touch on the very first part of it. So Luke chapter 12, verse 13. And I'll read a few verses here and then we'll jump over into Matthew. Verse 13, and one of the companies said unto him, Master, speaking to Jesus, obviously, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. So this is Jesus. He's in, I don't know what type of setting he was in, but somebody came up to him and asked Jesus a question. This is Jesus talking in verse 14. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And he spake a parable to them, and he goes into the whole parable. Now I'll drop down to verse 21. So he that layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. Now take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we've got a couple of passages of scriptures I want to get out of the way here this morning. And read these, so we can get a good context of our lesson here today. Matthew chapter 6. A super familiar portion of scripture here, but one definitely worth mentioning in regards to materialism and in regards to the area of contentment. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, probably a portion of scripture that a lot of us could recite, probably almost word for word. But the Bible says, Lay not up for yourselves what? Treasures. treasures. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and wrath doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. He said the word treasure three different times throughout those verses. Now take your Bibles and turn to our key verse that we've kind of been using for these lessons into Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Sorry about all this. Romans chapter 12. We've got a couple verses here we want to read. Verse 2. And the Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, without going into that verse too much, if you remember, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about our thoughts, about our mind, and how so often what we live out in our life, it starts up here in our mind. In the area of materialism, we talked a lot about how about we think about these type of things, and then we play those out in our life, and we've been talking about what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God when it comes to our finances, what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God really when it comes to all areas of our life? We really want to follow God in all areas of our life, making sure that we're doing these things that he has called us to do but allowing God to transform our mind. We'll get into this later on in the lessons, the lesson today. But we are constantly bombarded with things that we should not be and they go into our mind. So we need God's power to transform, allow God to transform our mind that we can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, go to 1 Timothy. Okay, 1 Timothy, chapter 6. And then I'll I'll stop making you guys turn everywhere. 1 Timothy, chapter 6. And I love this verse. Such a good verse, good portion of Scripture. We're going to read a few verses here. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. And the Bible says, But godliness with contentment is what? Great Great gain. But godliness... With contentment. Now that's great gain. We'll be talking about that later today For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts, and drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some... Coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves. Excuse me, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, if you are a man of God, if you are a woman of God, listen to this: flee these things. Well, what things? Well, the things we just read about. I mean, obviously, flee these things. That that lust. Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today, Lord, and I really just ask that you'd fill me with your spirit here today, Father. Lord, in and of myself, as always, there is no way that I can bring forth the word of God with any type of power, with any type of understanding. So I'm asking you, Father, that you would please fill me with your spirit here today, Lord, that you would... Have me to speak forth what your will is in regards to this area of contentment, Father. And this area that we're going to be talking about today, Lord, is something that every single person in this room is struggling with or has struggled with at one time in their life. And so, Father, I pray, again, that you'd give me the wisdom and the understanding in how I should present this lesson here today. And, Lord, if there's some way that you can touch the hearts and lives of the people, which I know that you can, I pray that you would bind the wicked one and you would touch our hearts in this area in your precious name. Amen. Well, as much as I want to go back and do review, because I know how it is after a couple weeks goes by, we kind of forget, well, what did we teach on last week? I'm going to refrain from that because i got a big lesson today. And the reason is that this area of contentment that we're going to talk about today, as I said just now in my prayer, is an area that I think every one of us at one time in our life has struggled with. And you might even be struggling with that here yet today. And if you're not struggling with it, guess what? you probably will again. Because it is one of the tools of the devil that he uses over and over and over again. So what we have to be aware of, if the devil is going to use this tool of discontentment, if the devil is going to use that tool and that weapon, we have to be aware of that and we have to bring up that shield of faith and we have to fight against this area of discontentment in our life and strive to learn to be content. If you think about the world, okay, not, not Christians per se, but let's just think about the world in general. Let's think about, more specifically, the United States. Would you say, as, as our country, that we're a country that's content or discontent? discontent? Probably discontent. But yet you look at it, and we're the most blessed country financially, typically, in the entire world. But yet we find ourselves, as a culture, of being a discontented spirit. No matter the houses and the cars and the things and the clothes that we have, yet it always seems to be quite not enough to bring that happiness and joy that people are hoping for. And that same spirit of discontentment that is in the world, which the world actually tries to drum up all the time through the advertisements and the the way that they promote stuff to us, that spirit of discontentment so often leaks and gets into our life as well. Which is why we read our key verse that we need to be transformed in our life. Because we have to be aware that this area of discontentment very rarely ever falls as one big load, but yet it comes in little tiny increments it comes with just a little bit here and a little bit there and we sometimes get the entitlement attitude of I deserve that or I want that or I should have that and before we know it we start using those words I and we start realizing that we have gotten a discontented spirit in our life we become maybe materialistic but for sure we don't have the spirit of contentment so what I want us to realize here today that this is a fight that we all need to be engaged in. You know, a fight is not something that a lot of us like to do because it takes a lot of effort to fight, right? It takes effort to fight. But this is a battle that is raging right now, not only for your heart, but if you're a parent or a grandparent, it's a battle that Satan is waging against the heart of our children and our grandchildren. If you don't believe me, just flip on the Disney Channel and watch all the advertising that goes after after commercial, after commercial, after commercial, after commercial. Trying to bombard our young children with a heart of discontentment in their life. It's a fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. We just read that right here in verse 12 in 1 Timothy 6. Fight the good fight of faith. We have to, as God people realize, we have to fight this fight of discontentment that comes up in our life. We need to realize that we are in a fight when it comes to money and having contentment. It is not a war only for our hearts but it's also a war for the hearts of our children and we are at war with the contemporary culture of this whole entire world you look at it the world the culture that we live in is at war with what we're trying to I think train our children to be and we have to realize that we live in today we live in the most marketed to culture that we've ever lived in history in a period of a couple hours of maybe watching TV or being online we're going to be. We would be hit by more marketing than most people would have a few decades ago throughout their entire year, in just a period of a few hours. As you scroll through Facebook, as you get online, as you look at a couple of things, and as you start doing your daily activities, it's just bombardment after bombardment after bombardment. How often do we look at something, and then the rest of the day things keep start flashing up on our phone all day long, of the exact same thing we are just looking at, right? And so that is just the culture that we live in. And we have to realize that those things that we, whether we want to or not, that are being bombarded every single day, that is causing us to have, or could cause us to have, a spirit of being discontent. We must understand the very purpose of marketing is, not, is to make you think that your life is somehow incomplete without the purchase of a product or a service. The essence essence of marketing is to make you dissatisfied with the status quo and to try to move you in the direction of a purchase. Now, I'm not against marketing. I use marketing in my own business, right? I love marketing at different times. But what we have to realize is that marketing out there in the day and age in which we live in, and it comes from every direction. It's no longer on the billboards only or at the grocery store or just on the TV. If you have something in your pocket called the phone, that's where most of us are getting our marketing from in today's day and age which we live in. And so we have to just be wise. We have to understand that this is what the world is trying to do to us in our life, is to make us discontent. Now, I'm not saying that you might need that service or that product. What I'm saying is we need to also be checking our hearts to make sure that we're not having a spirit of discontentment in our life. Because we live in the most marketed culture in the history of the world, do you think it's possible that we live in the most discontented culture as well? And I would say that's probably true we probably do live in the most discontented culture that has ever existed in history right now. I don't have this in my lesson, but just came to me as as a fact that if that is the case, which I I believe it is, that that's the case, then do you not think that as God's people, God calls us to be different? God calls us to be a light? God calls us to magnify him? If the world is like this, to no fault of their own, we have a great opportunity not to be like this. And if you will allow Jesus Christ to work in your heart so that you are a contented person, I guarantee you that people will notice because most people are discontent. But if you live a life of contentment, if you live a life that is not discontented, you will, by default, magnify Jesus Christ. Because most people are discontented in their life. They're discontented with their marriages. We're not just talking about finances. They're discontented with their jobs. They're discontented with their bosses. They're discontented with their houses or their cars or whatever you could ask ask in their life. They're just downright discontented and not happy of where they are at. Have we also fallen into that same trap as Christians? Study shows that the average shows that on average, the more advertisement you are exposed to, the more in debt that you are. I'm gonna read that one more time. Studies, and these are actual studies, they show that the more advertisement that you are exposed to, than the typical American, the more debt that they are in. And there's just different ways of doing that, how long they're on their phones, how much they're in front of TV, the different advertisement they consume, and then they look at the amount of debt that those people have, whether it's consumer debt or credit card debt or whatever it may be, those people who consume more advertisements are typically more in debt because they're, they're going after those things that they become discontented with and they're going after those other things. Basically I want to put a little bleep in here for anybody who has a children still underneath their home is that parents, we cannot fall asleep at the wheel. Guess I know, I know it is easy. I know it's easy to do this to your child, right? Go play this app. Go watch TV. Go do this. Go do that. And you know what? The world knows that. They do. They're not stupid. These advertising people aren't stupid. These people are going after your children. Satan's not stupid. He knows that we want to. Do, that is an easy thing for us to do. We have to f- realize that we cannot fall asleep at the wheel. That this is a battle. Do you know the apps that your children get on that you hand to them? Do you know how many advert? There's a reason why that app was free, okay? And typically, the reason that it was free is because there's an advertisement inside that app. Do you know the advertisements that your children are being bombarded with when you give them an iPad to play with and the apps that they're on? And I'm not against all apps. I'm not against iPads, and I'm not against phones. What I'm just saying is that we have to be smart as parents of what we're doing and the amount of advertisement we're allowing our children to consume in their life. We have to remember that we are at war, and we have to learn to fight. If you're going to be a good soldier for the Lord, you have to learn to fight. We have to fight for our family. We have to fight for our children because there's someone else fighting for them. And if if I don't fight for my children and my father doesn't fight for his grandchildren, and we don't fight, then if we're not fighting and someone else is, what's going to happen? We're going to lose. And we have to realize that we will lose our children. In this area that we're talking about today, we will lose our children in the area of being content if we do not learn to fight for this area. Our enemy will show no mercy in this area. Because the devil knows if he can get you discontented, he can get you off the path that God wants you to travel obviously God has a path for each and every one of us. God has a path for Ethan, for Mr. Vincent, for Pastor, for myself, for any person in this auditorium. If you're a saved believer, God has a certain path for you to walk. And on that path that God has for you to walk, I guarantee it's not a discontented path. It's a path of contentment. So when you get this spirit of discontentment, what it is, it's like saying throwing a little curveball on that path. And like I said, it very rarely is an automatic 90 degree. What it is, it's a, gr- a gradual turning away from the path that God has for you. So here's the path, it runs straight down this area. And the discontented spirit that we get will, will start wandering from that path. And now the more that you're discontented, the further and further and further you can get away from the path that God has for you to travel. And Satan knows this and that is why he is constantly bombarding us in this area of contentment in our life. Oh, I gotta get going here. This area of contentment in our life—if we're going to teach this to our children—then we have to learn it ourselves, because you know what? More is caught than is taught. I can't remember who said that. Well, me, but it's 100% true. You can sit there and teach your kids contentment to your blue in the face, but if you go out and you display all the characteristics, and your discontent in your life, and the kids see what you buy, and what you purchase, and your attitudes, and how you talk about your stuff, and if you slap them upside the head because they put a little scratch in your car, you know what they're going to think? This stuff is the most important thing to mom and dad, then it must be the most important thing in the world. How often have we displayed this area to our children that things are more important than anything else? The area being discontent. Make sure that we're learning this in our life, so that we can teach our children and show them by example. Remember, we cannot defeat the enemy if we are part of this enemy. You can't defeat this in your life. You can't defeat this in your children's life or in your grandchildren's life if it's already in your life already. So let's look at our hearts first, and then let's branch out from there. We can. Um, everyone needs to learn contentment, so they can teach this to your children. The Bible says, "But what godliness with contentment is great gain." It's called the law of great gain. If you're godly and you have contentment, the Bible says you have great gain. You can have great gain in your life. But do not confuse contentment with apathy, laziness, or lack of ambition. Sometimes we as Christians are really good at taking a principle from God and kind of twisting it a little bit to justify the way we're living our life. Okay? So don't confuse contentment with being apathetic in your life. Don't confuse contentment with, with the saying, well, I don't really need to go work very hard. That's not true. Don't break other God's commandments and other God's principles in this area. I just want to make sure that I've made sure that we covered that. Contentment is a spiritual experience that allows peace in the midst of a storm. And now I know that we're all aware of that you can't buy contentment. I think even the world, even though they won't admit it, probably realizes that as well. You, can't, you really legitimately cannot buy contentment. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And C.S. Lewis said that. Don't let your happiness depend on something you may lose. If you're going to be happy in your life, how can you be happy if you can lose that thing? Because that means as soon as you lose that thing, you're not going to be happy. Well, that's silly. So if you're gaining your happiness and your joy from something or someone that's not Jesus Christ, then that's not right. We need to gain our joy and our happiness from the Lord, Jesus Christ, in our life. So content people may not have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. Again, I didn't say that. I don't know who said that. But contented people may not have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. And I think kids are pretty good at this sometimes. You send them outside to play, and they take the, the, the randomest junk and use it for toys, and they're just completely happy with that. I'm like, how often can we take lessons from our children, you know? And so we need to make sure that whatever God has given to us, that we're utilizing that for the Lord and that we're content with what, where God has us in our life. As you think through your life, are you a content person? If nothing changed from this point, could you be satisfied with what God has given to you? Remember, contentment abides where Jesus Christ is Lord of all. If we're going to have contentment, we have to take materialism off the throne of our life. We have to put Jesus Christ back so that... He can reign in our life and that we can be content with the things that He has allowed us to have in our life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, let your conversations or your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have for He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Wherever God has you in your life, whatever He's allowed you to have, we talked about all this, I don't want to go back over, we talked all about this the last couple weeks, wherever that is, as a steward of God, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is with you at that time in your life. He allowed that trial to come into your life. He allowed that financial pressure possibly to come into your life. Now maybe maybe an action of yours, but he allowed it to come into your life. Make sure that you are not covetous in your life. So what is contentment? People, some people say, well, what, what really is contentment? What is contentment? And I have a couple definitions here, and we're going to go over a couple later on. But it's a state of happiness and satisfied, being satisfied, satisfaction. An internal satisfaction, excuse me, an internal satisfaction which does not demand changes in external circumstances. I was just talking to one of my children today. I have one child that when something happens, it really happens to him, right? When when something, he can be the happiest person. I said he, now we're limited to, but he can be the happiest person in the world but one little thing happens and he just it's like he just off it just hes just gone crazy and I said listen you cannot let your happiness be based upon your brother you can't because you're always gonna end up being obviously if your brother knows that he's always gonna make you unhappy right so you can't let your happiness be based on something else an external thing that may happen and I said if if a content person you know a contented person they don't complain right complaining I I hate complaining I hate it so much that but I still find myself doing it. I go home from work and I complain to my wife, okay? That's the person I complain to the most about different things that happened that day. Maybe a customer, maybe an employee, maybe something else, whatever, but I can complain in my life. And I think if we really look at it, how often do we complain about the things that we deal with throughout our life? It's the opposite of being content is complaining. If you're happy and joyful, you are satisfied. Are you content today or has materialism blocked you and caused you to be discontented in your life? The Bible says a merry heart doth good like a medicine, but the sorrow of the heart breaketh as a spirit is broken. We don't want to have broken spirits as Christians. So you ask yourself, why are we not content? With what God has given to us, with what God has allowed us to have, why are we not content? Well, I think there's a lot of areas in our life of why we're not content. And as much as I like to go through every single one of these, and I have verses for each and every one, I'm just going to mention a couple of them here. Well, one of the reasons we're not content is because we covet. It's one of the Ten Commandments, so God obviously knew that we're going to really struggle with this because it's one of the Ten Commandments, and it's all throughout the Scripture that we shouldn't covet. But one of the reasons that we're not content is because that we covet something. We covet maybe what our neighbor has or something else in our life. Whenever you find yourself coveting something, realize that that's a spirit of discontentment starting to creep into your life. As soon as you start to covet, that's the spirit of discontentment. Another reason why we, we, that we are not content is because we're not walking with God. A person who walks with God, the Bible says godliness with contentment. He didn't say contentment and godliness, and I think there's a reason for that, right? He said godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'm not saying that every discontented person is not godly. But I'm just saying that God said godliness with contentment is great gain. And I would say that when I look at godly Christians, they display this area of being content in their life. And so look at your heart. When I start getting the heart of covetousness that comes up, and I become discontent in my life, could it also look in my life and say, maybe I'm not walking with the Lord like I should right now? And because of that, because I've let my godliness slip in my life my walk with the lord has suffered and because my walk with the lord has suffered satan sees an avenue to slip in the area of discontentment in our life so as you see a spirit rise up inside of you of discontentment go and see lord am i just not walking with you like i should but godliness with contentment is great gain i think another reason why that we're not content in our life is because we're not patient we're just not patient. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor brought that lesson, What's in Your Bowl? Does anybody remember that? Talked about Esau. He wasn't patient. Came in, starving. Gave up his whole entire birthright just for the gratification of having that bowl of soup right now. How many times have we given up something because we want something right now? We were not patient to wait on the Lord. And because we weren't patient, we became dissatisfied with where God had us. And maybe God even wanted you to have that, but not right now. I think a lot of things God wants us to have as, his, as believers, but he wants us to wait for those things so that he can provide them in his timing. It could be getting married. It could be a child. It could be a home. It could be a car. It could be a job. It could be finances. I don't care. But we get, we get so discontented and we go, I want that and I want it right now and I don't care what it takes and what's going to happen in my future, but I'm going to get that thing right now and right here. And then we pay a consequence for that years and years and years and years down the road. Because if we would have just waited, God says, I know you have need of these things, and He'll provide them for you. But we become impatient in our life. And because of that, we become discontented. Discontent. And then the other thing is, I think we just have not learned as Christians, a lot of times myself, we've just not learned to be content. The Bible says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. This is Paul speaking. I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul said, "I have learned this. It's not something he was born with. I don't think there's one person in this room that was just born a contented person. I think we could all say, if you have children, 100 percent they're not born with contentment in their life. Okay, they're born being very discontent. They're born being selfish. They're born with the first word that they learn to say is mine. Usually, it's like, oh my word, where have I gone wrong as a parent? Okay." So listen, you have to learn this in your life, which means that you have to do something so you can learn it. You you can't learn something if you don't work at that thing. You couldn't learn unless you went to school for it. So you have to realize that contentment in your life has to be learned. It has to be something that you fight for. It has to be something you work for. Because when you do that, you're going to learn to be content. You're going to allow God to work inside your life. And then you are going to become the man and the woman that God wants you to be in your life. Abraham Lincoln said, My concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. I'm going to say that one more time. My concern is not whether God is on our side. Stop saying, God, is this, you know, is this? you're on my side. But our greatest concern should just be, are we on God's side? For God is always right. God is always right. We've got a couple of minutes here. I'm going to mention a couple of things in the area of learning to be content. There's a lot of things that we can do and implement into our life that will cause us to be content. But I'm going to mention three here today. I have many more, but we only have time for three. If we're going to learn to be content, we've got to have gratitude in our life. You have to give thanks in every situation. This is such a key. A thankful person, somebody who is constantly thankful, it's almost like you, you can't be discontent. Because you're thanking God for everything. You're thanking everybody. You're just so thankful in your life. How can you be discontent and be thankful at the same time? You can't. It's like light and darkness. So if you're really going to combat this in your life, if you're saying, yes, I have a spirit of being discontent, then take that spirit of discontentment, take it out, put the spirit of thankfulness into your heart, and that will cause you to keep you from becoming discontented in your life. Instead of looking at everything that you don't you want to change and you're discontented about, take those same things and thank the Lord for whatever circumstance you find yourself in your life. One thing I do with my children on a regular basis, if we're coming to school or if we're in the car traveling, I'll say, give me three things that you're thankful for and tell me why you're thankful for them. If you just tell them give me three things, I'll just pull up read. Random retarded things. So you gotta say, give me three things you're thankful for and why you're thankful for them. So you actually gotta think about it for two seconds. But it's just basically trying to get into their heart that there's things that we need to be thankful for and constantly thanking God for these things will keep that attitude of discontentment out of our life. Humility. The attitude of humility. Gratitude starts with humility. You're humble enough to thank God for these areas in your life. Uh, humility is the opposite of entitlement and it's the key to gratitude having a humble spirit in your life a prideful spirit demands things I want I deserve I should have this that's a prideful spirit it's I I I I I discontentment 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 covetous 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 it's a prideful spirit humility is the opposite of that and with humility when you realize I don't deserve I don't need when you start realizing these things with humility then comes that thankful spirit that God wants us to have and then the last one is generosity okay so be thankful be humble and be generous your greatness is not what you have it's what you give when you are focused when we are focused on meeting the needs of others through giving it becomes harder and harder for us to focus on our own wants Because you know what, instead of focus on yourself and on your needs, you start looking at the needs of others and you're focused on what they need and it completely changes your attitude in your life. And you know what, this is not just something that we should do personally, this is something that we should do as a family. Teach your children to focus on the needs of others. Teach your children to be grateful. Teach your children to be humble. But you cannot teach these things unless you allow God to work in your heart and you become thankful, you become humble, and you become generous. More is caught than is
0: taught. Let us be these kinds of Christians, let's pray.